Welcome to Inspire K-12, a weekly podcast that aims to give teachers tips, tricks, and inspiration for their classrooms in 12 minutes or less. I'm your host, Ann Coates. In these episodes, I'll bring you professional triumphs and tribulations, innovative technologies, and good old-fashioned teacher chat. So come with me and let's get inspired. Hey listeners, happy day to everybody. Today will be the third episode in my book review series for my summer reading. Today's focus will be the book entitled All Fours and Fives, A Guide to Teaching and Leading Advanced Placement Programs by Andrew Sharos. I have to tell you that this topic hit so home to me and I was drawn to buying this book because it I came across it on Twitter about three days after my AP psychology scores were posted on the College Board website. And as with most years, about half of my students earned a qualifying score according to College Board standards, so threes, fours, and fives, about half of them. I have 50 students approximately, and I would say more than half this year. I think I counted about 56% earned a qualifying score, which to me is fantastic. But I still had a ton of ones and twos. And a couple of students, I was shocked at the ones and twos, especially the twos. I had pegged them for threes or fours throughout the course of the year. Then AP teachers, you know what I'm talking about. You can tell from a student's work and their class participation and all of that. You can sort of say, okay, he's a three. I want to get him to a four, so I'm going to do this. She's a four, but I really think she can get a five, so I'm going to do this. So I was really looking for a practical guide. Now, of course, all of us AP teachers out there, we have books that can help us, the Princeton Review books, the books that are, you know, five steps to a five, all of those sort of practical practice questions, synopses of topics and things like that. But this is different. This is sort of a plan book and guide book for what you as a teacher can do and what your school can do to create a culture where students are consistently earning fours and fives on all AP exams they wish to take. So let's delve in here. So I have to say chapter one just hit home once again for me. Um, In this chapter, Charles talks about looking in a giant mirror that starting with changing your scores and upping the ante for all students to earn fours and fives, you got to hold up a giant mirror to yourself. And primarily he talks about building empathy and creating a team, which I love that idea. And this is a real weakness for me because I'm so pragmatic. I walk in, I teach the content, I create a lesson, the students do the lesson because they're good students, and then we're on to the next thing. But I like the idea of building a team. And I have a dear colleague um, in the social studies department who does a great job at this. Uh, Shout out to Kevin Perry, our A-Push teacher. And he does a great job at creating this real solid team spirit in all of his classes, especially in his AP. And I really should take a a lesson out of his his book. But at any rate, um, so Sharos goes on to talk about one of the ways you can build empathy is to take the test with kids. As they are testing on their units and chapters, you take it along with them. Sit in the back of the class, get your pencil out, get your scantron out, and take the test and see how you do, number one. And number two, you are building empathy. You are creating a team spirit. 
So I thought that was a great, um, great advice. And I am actually definitely going to try that because it just seems like that in and of itself could really change the culture. Another area of the book that really struck me, and it seems so obvious, is how um, what he's talked about as the major pillars of a classroom design. And he refers to them as scores. And that's an, an acronym for simplify homework, create a culture quiz, offer writing conferences, review early and often, evaluate cumulatively, and stop your agenda. So I'm just going to hit on a couple of these. I love the idea of simplifying homework. A few years ago, I stopped giving nightly homework and I was seriously thinking, should I go back to this this year? And I might in a different way after reading this, which is a great, great, you know, impact from the book, simplify the homework. If this assignment is not helping my students achieve well on the AP exam, why am I giving it? Basically saying, is this assignment going to help with the score? I love the idea of creating a quiz culture where they are quizzed early and often, frequently. And that just sort of builds in. And so they, you can do pop quizzes, you can do announced quizzes, you can do open notes quizzes, you can do quizzes in which um, they just put down on a blank piece of paper, you know, everything they read about or, or studied that, that night before. So <clears throat> there's lots of different ways to create that quiz culture. <clears throat> and the last one, which I am guilty of, which we all are, is to stop your agenda. And he talks about in the book, um, you know, a teacher who he knew um, really loved teaching the Native Americans throughout U.S. history. And, you know, we all love that as history teachers. We all love to, we all have our sort of important piece that we think needs to be throughout the entire course. We all have our favorite content. We all have our least favorite content. But if it's not part of getting your students that four or five on the exam, do not put a focus on it. And I know, you know, I I feel that sometimes students really want to focus um, in AP psychology on, uh, for example, um, sleep and dreams. They love, love, love talking about sleep and dreams. But quite frankly, it's a very, very small percentage of the exam. So what I always resolve to do is we'll do a little project to get through it because it is so quick. They can do it in a project and a little bit of research. And then I'll revisit it after the exam. But I never seem to revisit it because kids are in and out for other exams at the end. And it just seems time gets away from me. So, uh, you know, I had been guilty over the years of building more into that more for that because the kids like it. And of course, I love um, the mental health piece that we study. And so I focus on that. And so it's really important to stop your agenda of what you love. You can always revisit after the exam. You can always build in another area after the exam, another unit that takes all of these more interesting um, things that you're passionate about and do a unit after the exam. And of course, you can certainly create an entire new course if you wanted to focus on something that you love and have students take that as an elective. So I love the scores process. Then he goes through and the book, the meat of the book is all about this building of culture and changing your mindset so that you believe students will have and can achieve fours and fives on that exam in the spring. Um, and at the end of the book, he lists about 20 or 25 classroom strategies that he recommends. And I'm not going to go through all of them for the sake of time, because here at Inspire K-12, we try for 12 minutes or less. But I am going to hit a few of them. 
So one of the ones I love is one I referred to earlier is this blank pages quiz. And I had never thought to really do this because you're thinking to yourself, how is this a quiz? But students have been assigned reading or some sort of assignment. Take a blank piece of paper the next day, first thing, and just have them list everything that they can remember they learned from that assignment. And to me, this will do a couple of things. Number one, it will see who read and who didn't, who did the assignment and who didn't. And most of the time, AP students do their work, but then it will also show the quality of their note-taking or their reading or their watching of a video. How well have they interacted with the content? And that is a great formative assessment for you as a teacher. And then again, never assign an assignment if it is not prepping for the exam. Never, ever do that. And that is a great strategy to go by and one that I am going to really work hard at uh, trying to achieve. And then he goes on to discuss some other pieces that um, are really quite interesting. For example, um, he says, find the class leader and prioritize that relationship. And it brings others into the culture. And I have a, a friend and colleague who has since retired, but he always talked about the swing vote in your class. You've got to get to the kid who is the swing vote, that kid who's going to make or break the culture of your class. And if you can get to that swing vote, or as Sharos calls them, the class leader, then you can get to the rest of the class. And it's just a matter of using your sort of teacher skills to in your classroom management to get to that student. And then the student, the other students will follow. And that's just good old-fashioned group um, interaction, group psychology, like we study in, in psych, in social psych. So um, I love that idea that, that, that I made a connection to something I had learned before. Match the commitment level you expect from your students. Once again, this is so hard for teachers and, and I always strive for this. You know, I come back rested from the summer and I say, I'm going to turn papers back in a timely fashion. I'm going to grade in a timely fashion. I'm going to plan outstanding lessons every single day. Unfortunately, life gets in the way. I have two kids in elementary school, a husband that works. We are a two working family household with kids going in 17 different directions after school, and it can be a challenge. And so I would add to this to use technology as a way to help you. So to cut down your time. So there's lots of different grading programs that you can use. There's lots of different planning programs you can use that can help you cut down on that time so that you can match the commitment level, but in not as much time. And then host practice test sessions after school and on Saturdays. And once again, my dear friend, John Hopkins, who has retired, talking about the swing vote, also talked about having these practice sessions. And I have a hard time with this. So again, the time piece for teachers is so key with these additional pieces that it takes to teach AP. However, you can once again use technology to help. For example, last year, I ran a couple of review sessions using some of the Google apps. So for example, we did a Google Hangout review session, and we did a um, Google Docs, where students just post questions on a shared Google Doc that I put out there. And I went back and forth and the other students went back and forth and we were able to review the material that way. So instead of having the practice sessions, you can do it virtually. And definitely you want to make sure that you have connections with students. But sometimes for students too, especially 
high school students who are juniors and seniors and they're working part-time and they're involved in five different activities and, and such that a lot of times um, you want to catch them as catch can, as the saying says. And so maybe a nine o'clock at night review session is virtually is the only way to do that. So I would highly recommend if you're an AP teacher, picking up all fours and fives from Andrew by Andrew Sharos. He gives some real practical ideas on how to change your culture in your classroom. And, um, and, and I didn't even get to the part of how to change the culture in the school, which is really, really interesting. Re read that as well. So I hope you get a lot out of this. Feel free to post your thoughts and comments on my blog, ancoats.org, um, or right here on your podcast catcher. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Inspire K-12. I hope you got some inspiration to carry you through your day. If you love the podcast, please share it with a friend or leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until then, get inspired.